if you think about it, photos are incredible. As humans, we are able to capture a visual moment in time on a piece of paper. Then we can preserve that paper for as long as we need. The camera was made by Joseph Napice in 1816. Do you think that he would have guessed the many uses for photos 200 years later? Today, I talked to someone who loves photography, nature photography, presenting Nick Volpe. My name is Nathan, and this is At Risk. Uh, why don't you just start by introducing yourself and what you do? Yeah, Teresa. So, um, hi everyone. So my name's Nick Volpe and I'm a wildlife photographer. Uh, I do a bit, bit of everything. So wildlife photographer, um, by day job, I'm an aquarist. So I work in an aquarium and I'm also an ecologist as well. So interested in research and just conservation and just all things nature in general. And why did you decide to become a wildlife photographer? Yeah, that's a great question. And I often think about um, that a lot. So, you know, where I grew up uh, in Melbourne, in Australia, I grew up in a, in, a, in a city where there wasn't too much nature. So for most kids my age, um, you know, being in nature or around animals wasn't really a thing. So it's a bit bit of an odd one that I've, you know, ended up where I am. But I snippets of nature I got in the cities uh, in Australia, sort of, you know, main you know sort of propelled me to want to protect those places and learn more about the more wild places in the earth or uh, you know just around in Australia in general so yeah it's been a very interesting ride but you know met a lot of incredible people and places along the way for sure and last night when we were talking you mentioned that you pair people's research with your images to help support the motions of positive conservation uh, conservation outcomes by making people care can you elaborate on that? Yeah, no, that's gr- yeah, it's a great question. Um, so yeah, when I was saying that last night, so something I've been doing more recently. So this is especially with invertebrates. Uh, so you know, not too many people, just the general people, know too much about invertebrates. You know, for an example, I've lately I've been helping a researcher uh, who's describing a new species of wasp in my area. And most people just think of wasp or bee, you know, just as the European species, European honeybee or wasp. But, uh, you know, here in Australia, there is thousands of species of native wasps and hundreds of uh, native bees. So by just taking images and taking videos and just sharing this online on social media helps sort of raise awareness. And especially I like to help out researchers to do such an incredible job and I like to bring their research to life with images or with video and, you know, to make it more sort of, you know, social media friendly to get the, the more normal person involved and how uh, the research can impact, you know, everyone in, in their everyday life. So, yeah, it's obviously a bit of a style to it. Um, you know, social media is forever changing. I still haven't got on TikTok yet, so I guess I'm behind the times. But, you know, being able to sort of engage um, with the average person uh, yeah, is definitely a very important skill for any, anyone in wildlife. It's, you know, sort of the new conservation technique. 
And how are you able to go outside and go into nature and grab all these photos? Because from what I've seen, it seems like all of these aren't just like regular backyard creatures. They're exotic, at least to me. So how are you able to go out in nature and get these hard to find um, animals? Yeah, that's a, yeah, it is a good point. And I'm very lucky where I live. So I'm living in um, Darwin. So that's in the Northern Territory. It's the Northern part of Australia. Uh, it's actually is quite tropical, very warm. So we're actually surrounded by a lot of amazing wildlife. So uh, I could just at the end of my street, go down and see up to three species of goanna. So large lizards. Um, I'm sure you've obviously said of cockatoos. So we've got two types of cockatoos that I regularly get on my balcony. Um, so where I am, there is a lot of wildlife and it's Darwin is a very small capital city. So we do still have a lot of bush around us and yeah, very blessed. There's a lot of reptiles, but even, you know, just living in Melbourne, it was a busy city. Um, um, you know, more replica of a lot of the larger American or European cities. Uh, even in those places, there's still a lot of incredible animals and invertebrates is one of those. So even places like, you know, United Kingdom, where a lot of it's so built up, there are so many incredible butterflies uh, and a lot of native, um, you know, small wasps as well and bees. You know, you just got to look smaller sometimes as well. So bringing those tiny creatures to life through my photography uh, definitely does help. Um, but, yeah, a lot of those things you can actually find in your backyard. So it does make it more accessible. Obviously, I've traveled to places like um, Asia, Borneo, and been to South America, which definitely helps with some larger or magnificent creatures but yeah a lot of it is actually honestly around home and how much do you have to know about each individual creature's behavior in order to be able to take these super close-up photos yeah that's a great question honestly a lot of the time absolutely none so a lot of the time the things i'm looking at the invertebrates i have no idea honestly what they are and the good thing about living somewhere as remote as in northern territory is a lot of other people actually don't know lot too so a lot of the time i'll just sort of sit and you know watch their behavior in the field it might be the first time i've ever sort of seen this animal um obviously for larger stuff you can research uh you know where the habitat of that animal where it's most likely to be active what time you know will it be around flowers or fruits you know what season um but the really good thing about living somewhere out bush is you can just walk out explore and you know sort of see what you find sit wait Often I'll just go to a place and just sit under a tree for 15 minutes and see what comes to you. Because when you're walking, you do obviously miss a lot of things. So you sit down, you put yourself in that environment um, with your camera. And then that's when, you know, a lot of incredible things start to happen. You know, large birds might land near you. Um, you know, you notice these smaller insects. So, yeah, not, not too much thought goes into when I'm going in for a walk. Like a lot of the time if I'm targeting something, a specific insect, um, like this week, there's a specific flower that is attracting all these native bees. I'm trying to photograph. I'll go out. But a lot of the time, I find the fun of it. Just walk out. Just go for and explore. Because that's a lot of the time you see the really cool behaviors um, that animals yeah, show. And also, while we were talking last night, you mentioned that you discovered a few species yourself. Is that how you did it? You just walked outside and all of a sudden there was like a spider that's never been seen before? Yeah, pretty much. So like I said, I'm lucky. I do live somewhere still remote. There is, you know, um, you know, a healthy population of people here, but a lot of those people, uh, and especially invertebrates, it makes it easier. People aren't looking at them every day and aren't noticing the differences between them. So 
Uh, yeah, honestly, off the top of my head, it's probably definitely over a dozen species here that I've found that are more than likely yeah, completely unknown. Uh, my my favorite one was a, a peacock jumping spider. So you've probably seen those all over the internet doing their little dances and carry on. So that one was actually in South Australia when I was driving up from Melbourne to Northern Territory. It's a, it's a long drive. Australia's a pretty big place. It took me about a week to drive up. But yeah, on the way there, uh, that one I actually targeted. These peacock spiders were known from um, a few specimens from salt lakes that hadn't been described yet. And I just sort of picked a salt lake and we stayed there for a day and got lucky and found one. But recently I've just been going out with a net, just, um, you know, sort of sweeping through trees, hitting the leaves and going through grass. And every now and then I'll spot something and I go, yeah, that hasn't been something I've seen. And I'll get in contact with the researchers, Twitter, social media is a really good way to do that now. And yeah, I go from there. And a, lot, a couple of times I've found some new stuff. So it was a wasp, two wasps this week. So yeah, it's pretty exciting and just shows any ordinary person can go out, upload your photos to iNaturalist because you might find something exciting in your area that um, no other researcher knows about yet. So definitely is actually more accessible than people think. And you're also an aquarium zookeeper. Uh, for those who don't know, what does a day look like for you? What does that mean to be an aquarium zookeeper? Yeah, so very lucky. Uh, so where where I live, Northern Territory, um, is well, it is the home of saltwater crocodiles, pretty much. Um, that's uh, everyone that wants to see a saltwater crocodile will come to the Northern Territory. Uh, so we have extensive wetlands up here, and I actually work at a wildlife park just outside of Darwin, and it's just showcasing all the incredible aquatic. Um, animals uh, that we have around here. So that's the section that I work in. So pretty much every day I am feeding fish. So some very interesting fish. So uh, some people listening might know what a barramundi is. It's a really large um, perch that's well known for being an uh, ambush predator. And it makes a massive boof sound when you feed it. So every day I do a show with people with these barramundis. Uh, we have large freshwater stingrays. So I get to feed and interact with them every day. We do have crocodiles. So yeah, it is pretty exciting. It's it's challenging. Um, so I manage sort of the public side of the aquarium, so creating the exhibits. Uh, we have a lot of coral reefs here as well. So, uh, we're actually lucky enough to be able to go and collect some coral and coral fish every now and then and put them on display and, you know, making new exhibits and just getting people excited to, um, you know, next time they go to these waterways, knowing what's underneath them, um, you know, when they come to our aquarium really just helps people you know, sort of gain that relationship with nature next time they're outside and be a bit more inquisitive. So, yeah, we also have way, like, yeah, you got to be very careful around the waterways here because um, they are so full of crocodiles. So people actually genuinely can't really tell what's in the water. So it is a good time to go to our crib to learn more about a mm. waterway here. It's not recommended going too close to the water here, I must add. And where do you see the importance of conservation in your work? Yeah, so uh, when, I, when I first started with animals and, and photography, it was more sort of just showcasing the, you know, the cool animals that I could find, you know, in Australia or when I was lucky enough to go overseas. Uh, but nowadays I do more take the approach of when I'm taking an image and when I'm going out to take an image or upload an image is, um, you know, every single time I upload something, it's um, what, 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 what can the benefit of this photo, like what can this photo do to help people, you know, sort of relate? Like how can this photo just relate to normal people, get them interested? Um, and 
yeah, it, you know, it honestly is challenging work because we know how social media works these days. It's quite, you know, you're just flicking straight through it. So, um, you know, I have to get sort of creative and try and get engaging. That's a real new, you know, skill. A lot of people, like I said earlier, in conservation have to learn. But in a lot of my images um, nowadays, I'm just trying to showcase diversity. Uh, so, like I said at the start, when people think of bees or wasps, they just think of one or two things. But um, to my latest project is to create a guide of all the insects that are um, around me. And it's taken a long time. I've photographed nearly a thousand over the past two years, but I'll wow. often go to um, schools or do presentations where I have posters and go through a lot of the insects um, that are found around here. And a lot of people have a lot of bush on their property here. So it's really exciting when kids yell at me, you know, oh, I've seen that one or oh, I haven't seen that one. You know, oh, I want to look for that one. And yeah, it sort of brings these creatures to life when you take take a photo. So a lot of people uh, with insects, especially, they're just buzzing by so fast, or birds even. You just get a blur of them. But you know, just stopping that and um, again, just showcasing the diversity just really sort of you know makes people appreciate nature. You know, we ha we here in Australia have a massive problem with deforestation, even as a you know uh, you know a first nation, first world nation, we have these issues still. We're we're pretty much up there with the deforestation rates, pretty close to Brazil still, and quite saddening but a lot of people just don't think about it they just see you know the bush is the bush not the value or the you know animals that live in it so yeah I hope to you know by showcasing diversity and by getting close to a few animals that not everyone you know even likes to see sort of can help change people's perceptions for sure and I'm sure that in your job going out in nature all the time you've experienced a little bit of danger or the potential of danger uh do you have any stories to share about where, when you had a dangerous experience with nature? Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting question for sure. I mean, there's definitely been the times where uh, I, when I was in South America once in Peru where I was walking in the trail at night and saw Puma Eyeshine looking back at me. That was definitely scary. It's not often mm. you can actually see an animal. Like here in Australia, um, you I mean, you've probably heard this. Everyone is scared to go to Australia. They're like, you know, Australia's land. Everything wants to kill you. There's snakes, the spiders. And look, that is not true. Like we do not even have, a, you know, a terrestrial predator here that is capable of even eating a human. So, you know, seeing something like a puma in the flesh, and you know it's not going to really do anything today, but just seeing an, a terrestrial animal capable of doing that definitely, you know, um, made my hair stand up. It was a bit of a wall moment because the main thing we have to worry about here is crocodiles and it's pretty easy. As long as you don't go near the water, you're safe. Um, but, yeah, a lot of the snakes and spiders and blue ring octopus and that here, as long as you're careful around them and know what you're dealing with, there's not, sort of no dangers um, at all. Um, honestly, the still the scariest thing out in the bush is when you go and you see there's another person in the bush because you're like, this is weird like they're either looking for frogs which is a bit weird like me or they're up to something pretty dodgy so that always definitely makes me scared but i've never mm. really had a close proper you know encounter with an animal i've only been bitten by snakes a couple of times and nothing too um dangerous. i've never really been stung by too many um venomous uh invertebrates as well so i have actually been pretty lucky but yeah, there's obviously scenarios where you do just try and keep safe but yeah honestly if i was hiking somewhere like canada i'd be way more scared um <laughs> and then if i was in australia that's for sure uh-huh and for all of those uh who haven't been bitten by snakes but are petrified of being bitten by a snake how can you reassure them through your own experiences 
Well, yeah, I mean, for most people going for a hike, 99% of them wouldn't even see the snakes that's at their, you know, foot just watching them um, go by. Uh, and it, it is incredible. Like sometimes I'll even just with, you know, a, an ambush predator, you know, say something like a python, I might walk a track one or two times and then on the third time go, wow, this snake, is it found a snake and hasn't looked like it's moved. It's in perfect ambush position. That's probably, I've probably walked past that a few times. So most of the time people don't even notice snakes and snakes are so terrified of us. Um, there has never been a time where I've been, you know, sort of out in the bush where um, this, you know, I, I've been you know, struck up by a snake and it's been, um, you know, not my fault. You know, obviously sometimes, you know, to get photos, we, we, we do um, not, you know, we just do interfere a little bit. Um, and most of the times I've been bitten by snakes is when I've been handling them at, at work presenting. So, you know, sometimes mm. I might smell like the food, like rats or, you know, even fish. Some of our snakes eat fish and that's when I get bitten mainly. And that's because I haven't washed my hands properly. Um, but yeah, you know, when you're out walking in the bush, even unless you stand on one, the snakes often don't tiger snake before and look down and not realize I stand on a tiger snake, one of the most, world's most venomous snakes. And, nothing happened apart wow. from trying to get away. So yeah, snakes are honestly the least of my worries. And I walk through long grass every day when I'm looking for insects. So yeah, um, you definitely cop more bee stings than you ever get in trouble with snakes. That's for sure. And um, do you have any funny stories or experiences that you've had well out in nature? Oh, yeah. I mean, you definitely do get a lot of funny things. A lot of the funny times is just people's reactions to, to what you're doing. Like even, so when I drive home from work, um, every day I will hop out and just, uh, cause I told you I live in you know, very decent bush. So from where I work is 45 minutes out of the city. So there's lots of nice mm. bush on the way. And I'm pretty much out there every day with a net, um, you know, trying for insects, had the police called on me a couple of times. They've rocked up like, you know, what are you doing? We've, you know, had some calls that someone's doing something suspicious. Uh, man, I'm just looking for bugs. Like, not nothing too sus about that. So, you know, that that is actually quite a common one in Australia. A lot of people doing, um, you know, the nature bird walking will get the cops called on them because just the ordinary person just can't sort of comprehend it when you've got something like binoculars or um, a right. net. I mean, it's pretty sad at the end of the day, isn't it? But um, yeah, I mean, that that's probably always the funniest. Just you know, people's reactions when you're out there. And I mean, most of the time it is positive because people just so shocked and so excited to find someone so interested um, in nature, but yeah, not, nothing too funny with animals. I think um, proboscis monkeys, the ones with the big nose in Borneo, oh, yeah. um, they're pretty funny. Like, um, you know, when we're photographing them, they've done some pretty funny stuff sometimes, or obviously macaques there, um, they've run down and, you know, sort of stolen things whilst I've been trying to photograph them, just filters and, you know, just chuck them around and, just carry on like pretty annoying little brats, but uh, yeah, mm. not too much funny from actual um, animals, but yeah, I mean, monkeys are always entertaining any species. So, yeah. And what have you learned throughout your experiences in nature? Yeah, that, that's, that's, that is actually a really powerful question. Cause I'm learning every single day and every day I learn something new and it makes me appreciate nature and more. And it, it just makes me, want to share about it even more like just today talking to this wasp researcher that um, I'm collaborating with in he's writing a new scientific paper and I'm supplying him with the photos and videos he's starting to tell me oh you know 
Um, around you, there's these types of wasps that will only parasitize or lay their eggs in cockroach egg cases. You should probably go out and look for them. And I'm just like, what? Like, that's insane. Like, these mm. wasps have just evolved with these cockroaches. And every time they change, you know, the wasp has to slightly change. And, um, you know, even just little things like that, learning little things like that every day just just absolutely makes my mind boggle. And every day, I, you know, I see a new animal or um, I'm at work and someone just learns something new from me. Um, yeah, it's a really powerful feeling knowing that you can definitely make a change, you know, as someone, uh, you know, interested in nature and when you're sharing your experiences. And, and that is the actually my favourite part of my job is every day I get to talk to people, um, you know, about wildlife, about their experiences in nature. And, yeah, you'd be surprised even just a small chat just makes people so much more interested when they're talking to someone who's passionate about saving, conserving things that actually really can make a difference. So, yeah, yeah, I think that answered the question. <laughs> yep. And I'm genuinely curious. Uh, tell me more about your trip for the uh, jumping peacock spider. Yeah, yeah, it, that, that one was a really sort of um, a lucky event, I'll say. So in South Australia, it's pretty much where we're driving. It's just all desert. Um, it is one of the driest places in the world practically. And um, so a salt lake, um, you know, it's just a giant lake. And when we were there, it was just, there was no water in it. It was just all salt. It was really interesting looking around the ed the edges of the lake because there was so much actual preserved invertebrates that have died and were like almost like, um, yeah, just preserved perfectly in a salt. There was big scorpions. It was even lizards. It was pretty weird. But yeah, so we started looking around the edges with a net. We were sweeping all the shrubs, trying to find a jumping, a peacock jumping spider because there were a few old records of some in salt lakes in Western Australia that hadn't sort of been rediscovered, but haven't been photographed since. Um, so we spent a good two hours roasting out in the sun and probably about 40 degrees Celsius and we couldn't find anything. We went back to the car and it started actually raining, just a random cloud in the desert, just started raining over the salt lake and it was magical. We ran back out and the whole salt lake was pretty much just instantly full after a big um, rain and mm. It was just incredible. It just went from being bone dry to just like a perfect like pink mirror. And we were out there taking photos and it I, I actually felt something on my leg. Like, you know, when you just feel like a fly on your leg and right. I went down to sort of just see what it was. And instantly I just went and I turned to my partner, Lucy, and I just screamed. I said, get a container, like get a container. And she ran and got like a little specimen jar and I was just shaking because I'd looked down and I was looking, there was a peacock. I'm jumping spider on my ankle, quite large for them too. And I instantly recognized that as new. I was like, I had not seen one like that before. It was really white and fluffy and we caught it and like we were shaking. And then we just looked around and we noticed after the rain, there were these red rocks that had been exposed and the jumping spiders were actually on them and they started displaying then. So that rain event must've triggered their breeding response or something. It'd be really interesting to actually go back and um, learn more about this behavior, but wow. that's the sort of thing we noticed them. So, it was an absolute fluke because, you know, it really doesn't often rain often on these places, which is probably why so many people have visited these areas and not seen um, these spiders. But quite an amazing experience. We spent half an hour sort of collecting specimens. I actually FaceTimed um, my best friend who is uh, the taxonomist who does the peacock jumping spider stuff, Joseph Schubert. I actually FaceTimed him and I was like, hey, man, like, look at this. Like, what do you reckon? And he straight away said, yeah, that's that's something different, like, straight away. So it was Wow. A pretty cool moment at that time was sort of the first thing that me and Lucy had, um, yeah, I don't like to say discovered because, you know, people would have seen them before, but we sort of brought the researchers' attention like, hey, like, you know, this this doesn't look like something you've 
probably seen before. So, yeah, it was a pretty special moment. So it is – he named it after me, which is um, pretty cool. But, wow. yeah, you know, it's just – it was awesome. It got a lot of media attention too. And, again, just sort of brought people out being like, wow. And a lot of people, you know, told me they've been looking for spiders, you know, jumping spiders in their yard since hearing that. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty humbling to be honest. And as a final question here, is there – You've listed a lot of things that you really love about your work. Uh, if you had to choose one thing, is there anything that you don't like about your work? <laughs> yeah, um, living in the tropics, it is just like, it's just the heat. So <laughs> where, where I live in Darwin, it's just constant. And I mean, if you want to find good animals, these are the trade-offs, you know. I mean, there's a lot of good animals in very cold areas, but just the heat, it is so exhausting and Unfortunately, yeah, like most of our biodiversity is in the tropics, but it, it just really takes it out of you. It's fun for a holiday mm. sometimes, but when you're trying to work in the heat every day, it's just, it's so exhausting. But, you know, all the other nitty-gritty stuff that you hate in the moment, like, you know, getting mud all over you, just getting dirty, um, you hate it in the moment. But, you know, that's just all a bit of fun when you go back and everything ends up all right, you know, getting lost. But something like the <laughs> heat. And that's the most dangerous killer in Australia is the heat. You know, people get worried about snakes and they wander off, get lost, don't drink water, have heat stroke. And, yeah, oh, man, honestly, I, I live to go back to a place where you can walk around the whole day during the day and not have to worry about heat stress for sure. But, you know, that's where the bugs are in the tropics. So, you know, got to have to try and live with it. So, yeah. Yep. And um, I'm just curious, how hot was it today for you? Today, how hot was it? Um, every day in Darwin, it's practically, we have a wet and a dry season. So it stays over 30 degrees Celsius every day, honestly, most nights. And it was, um, today again, was like 36 degrees Celsius, like 80% humidity. And it just like, it just doesn't cool down at all. So right now it's, um, it's after 8 PM here. And it's like, I I would be completely sweating if I was just sitting on the balcony. So (laughs) it's just a part of the world. But yeah, like I said, the animals love it. So it's definitely something you can't get used to. I've lived here for four years now and you just can't get used to this heat. So, yeah, it's oh. definitely a different heat to Australia's dry 45-degree heat as well. So yeah. it, is a, it is a brutal place, Australia, an unpredictable place for animals. But, yeah, I mean, that's why people love it, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. It really means a lot that you would sacrifice some of your day to talk to me. So. No worries. And like I said, I, I really love the work you're doing. I reckon it's, you know, it's really important and um, I'm excited to hear more people you get on for sure. So thank you. Thanks for listening. You can find Nick on Twitter and Instagram at nvolpywild. You can also find us on the same platforms at at risk podcast. If you like this show, then share it. It's the only way that this show grows and it really, really, really means a lot to me whenever somebody does. Also, don't be afraid to leave a voice message link in the show notes below. And by just clicking the link and it'll bring you to the page and then you can send in a message and I will play it on the show. I haven't gotten any so far, but I hope to be getting some in the future, which would be awesome. Anyways, that's all I have to say for this week. So I have no other message than enjoy spring, 
and I'll talk to you again soon.